Thank you. Thank you for fellowship. Thank you for conversation. Thank you that uh, you're with us all the time. Thank you that you see all things, know all things, care about it all. Thank you, Father, that you do care. And uh, I ask now, Lord God, that you'd keep us concentrated, keep our minds focused, um, help us not to be distracted by our thoughts of shopping lists or what's going on this evening. But, but Lord, that you would just keep us single-mindedly going after you. Um, and I thank you, Lord. I thank you that you will answer that prayer, but also that you will give us such joy in the going after you that in the end it will be about me. <laughs> Strange thing, Lord, but I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so... Um, just a couple of questions really to start with. Have you seen the Lord in a new way this past year? And have you, if you haven't, or if you have, have you asked him to manifest himself, to reveal himself more to you so that you can worship him in a bigger way? I don't want to say better because it's not a grade that you get at school. It's just that, um, it, it's just that as I just prayed, you know, I'm always saying it's not about me, it's not about you. But actually, God's, you wanting God's glory ends up being the greatest joy f to you. So in the end, it ends up being about you because God is gracious. And so when I bang on about uh, go after God, don't think about you, all of that, it's because I know that as you do that, he will think about you. You don't have to love yourself. God will love you beyond. He'll knock your socks off with his love. You don't have to worry about uh, finding the, the real you inside and searching deep down so you can come up with the real you because God knows the real you and he cares about the real you and he will nurture the real you so that the real you becomes glorious. That's the thing, you know. I know sometimes people come up to me and say, well, what do you mean it's all about me? It's all about me, you know, and it shouldn't be about me. And yeah, so I wanted to say that up front. And this session, session two, will be all about you. So you'll be pleased to know <laughs> that it's all about you. Um, so, uh, yeah, have, if, ask God to manifest himself to you, to reveal the truth about who he is to you in a, in a different way. And then uh, ask him to give you a song, to give you a song to sing. Because as I said earlier, it's as we sing that people see our Redeemer. They see our God. I don't mean singing with music, you know what I mean. As you, as you live out the song that he gives you, um, they start to see the reality of God. Many, many songs in scripture, there are many of them. The whole book of Psalms is a book of songs. So, and then there are other songs uh, all the way through scripture. But uh, I wanted to look, start to look uh, in this session at a Psalm, Psalm 40, which is a song of David, a Psalm of David. And, um, uh, yeah, and I wanted to look at this one because it's actually a very typical psalm. Um, uh, and it's actually typical of the most of our lives because uh, Psalm 40 presents a picture, at least especially in verse 1 and 3, uh, which every Christian knows about firsthand. Um, 
and, but I, th I wanted to let David lead us through his experience so that we can see if our experience is the same and we can perhaps learn from him. David is a man, he's described in scripture, as you know, as a man after God's own heart. Here is a man who loved God and who didn't get everything right. In fact, his family was very dysfunctional, but he loved God and went after God. And so I want to learn some things from him. And, and Psalm 40 is a... Um, I think, a, a really good uh, psalm to show me those things. So it's the real-life experience of a man, King David, and, um, and his responses to the circumstances of his life. So we'll read, uh, I'll read the whole psalm, I think, and then we'll go back over it, yeah. Uh, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. How blessed is the man who has made the Lord his trust and has not turned to the proud, nor, turned, nor to those who lapse into falsehood. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders which you have done and your thoughts towards us. There is none to compare with you. If I would declare and speak of them, they would be too numerous to count. Sacrifice and meal offering you have not desired. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have proclaimed glad tidings of righteousness in the great congregation. Behold, I will not restrain my lips, O Lord, you know. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great congregation. You, O Lord, will not withhold your compassion from me. Your loving kindness and your truth will continually preserve me. For evils beyond number have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me so that I am not able to see. They are more numerous than the hairs of my head, and my heart has failed me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. Make haste, O Lord, to help me. Let those be ashamed and humiliated together who seek my life to destroy it. Let those be turned back and dishonored who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, Aha, aha. Let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. Since I am afflicted and needy, let the Lord be mindful of me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh my God. Um, as I say, Psalm 40 is really, um, actually it could be David's life song. <laughs> this is David's life song. And for a lot of people, this is their song. Um, uh, he starts off uh, by saying, I waited, pa the first three verses actually are the overview of the whole psalm. So if you didn't want to read the whole psalm, you could just read those three verses and you'd get the gist of the story or of the account. I waited patiently for the Lord. He heard me. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction and he set my feet upon a rock and gave me a new song. Um, so that's, that's the whole psalm, but the details of it follow. So, um, 
first, the first thing to see really is that David is in a pit and uh, he, he, he says, he brought me up out of the pit of destruction. Um, and that word destruction means roaring or tumult or like stormy waves. And when you consider the usual meaning of the word pit is a well or a cistern underground, the image you get is of David falling into a dark, deep, place there's water all around him and it's not calm it's a roaring storm of water and he can't see and he can't uh, hear anything but the sound of this water it might help if you want a picture of it to read jeremiah 38 verse 6 uh, that talks about the time when jeremiah was put into a pit and at the bottom of the pit it was all mud so now you're thinking about this pit of destruction. Think about a place that is dark, that there's this tumult of waves and water all around you, and every step you take takes you deeper into the mud. That's the picture that David is painting. Now, he's obviously not in a literal pit. He is obviously in uh, a spiritual pit, an emotional pit. He is in a place where he can't see anything and where the sound of the problem is so bad and every time he moves, he gets sucked deeper and deeper and deeper into this trouble. Um, so imagine that. Imagine sinking into that well. Um, how will you feel when you are in that place? You tell me. What words come to your mind? Depression. Afraid. Alone. Helpless. Desperate. Despair. All of those words. These are words that easily come to your mind when you try to imagine it. And it is the picture, I think. I think that's why God has included this song of David's in the Psalms, because it is the picture of desperation and apparent hopelessness that human beings feel very often in this life. And it's actually the breaking point, the breaking point for many, many people. And you see it. You see it all the time. You see it when people are overworked and they just cannot take the stress of it. You see it when the, their children are constantly crying. They've got constant colds. They're constantly crying. They're constantly not well. And you can't get away from three or four or six little children around your ankles. And they just don't stop crying morning, noon, and night. And you get to the stage where you just can't think straight. And all you hear is that. You see it with students who are just under so much pressure to pass the exam, to get them on into the next school and then to the next one and to get the best job and to do well at this and to do well, the exams and the, and the stress of it. You see it in the um, physical burden of loneliness. You see that in people, loneliness like a physical weight on their shoulders and the hopelessness and the desperation of that. I've just listed some things that came into my mind. You see it in the, in the people who have got an illness, a lingering illness that just cannot be healed. They go here, there, and everywhere. They try this medication. They're given a name for their illness, but they don't understand what it means, and no one really understands what it means. And half of it, there's, there's, there's almost this implication that it's all in your mind. This 
these illnesses that we cannot seem to beat and yet they, we carry them like a physical weight on our shoulders and they make us desperate, desperate. And you, they, they en you end up feeling alone. It's the fear that you will never be healed. The fear. The fear that you will never be rid of the addiction that you have. The fear of that sin that you cannot be rid of because it has become an addiction in your life. And it's the fear of the soon coming attack of an enemy who's going to bring more hopelessness and more desperation. It's the description, what, what, what we're being given at the beginning of Psalm 40 is a description or a picture of the utter hopelessness and desperation of millions of people, including Christians. And I think it's good because what David gives us is a place that we can go with that. Because he's not going to say, I don't know how I got in this pit and I really shouldn't have got in here. And I'm sure it was all my fault. I should just buck up. Get, get myself together. Get a grip. Remember I'm a Christian and go out with joy. He doesn't say that. What he says is the reality of life, that when we're in that pit, we're struggling even to breathe. And we'd give a million pounds more. We'd give everything we owned to breathe, just to breathe without the fear and without the loneliness and without the hopelessness. So um, what we see, I think, in these is that um, is the steps, really, that David takes. And you can see them in the first three verses. Um, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. The first thing, really, that uh, David does after telling us that he's in a pit, and, and you have to read these and break this. He's in the pit, and then he cries, and then he waits, and then God delivers him, and then God gives him a song, and then he sings it out into the congregation. So we're right at the beginning. He's in the pit, and we've described the pit. And if you, if you have not experienced that pit, you will. That's life. That's life. But what we're being given is the escape route. What we are to do when we are in that place. And uh, the first thing is, what is the first thing that David does? Don't say waited patiently. That's the first thing in the line. But what does he first do? He cries out to God. He cries out to God. I actually think that one of the reasons God loved David so much is because David cried so much. You know, we learn, especially the men amongst us, we learn that men don't cry. And everything in the Bible says the opposite. <laughs> everything says the opposite. It's like the whole of our world. Everything we see in our world and think all of the philosophies and the ideas and the everything in the world, if you want to know what God thinks, turn it upside down and there you have the truth of God. Real men do cry. And they cry a lot. Than David, exactly. 
exactly. Exactly. So he cried, Psalm 6, just flip back in your Bible to Psalm chapter 6. Sorry, Psalm 6, verse 6. Uh, I am weary with my sighing. Every night I make my bed swim. I dissolve my couch with my tears. My eye has wasted away with grief. It has become old because of all my adversaries. Um, Psalm 56, verse 8. Just write them down if you... That was Psalm 6, verse 6, and this is Psalm 56, verse 8. You have taken account of my wanderings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? This is not um, simply crying out because um, we don't know what else to do. David is deliberately crying to the Lord. He knows that there is a God who not only will see his tears, but will collect his tears in a bottle. So this is a man who, who understands who God is, not fully. No one ever knows God fully. Thank God we don't, because we can keep going on and growing in our knowledge of him. But David knew one thing. This was a God who sees all, who knows all, and who cared about him. And that's a foundational truth in Scripture. Are you called by the name of God? Is your name Christian? If it is, God cares about you the same way that he cares about his son, Jesus. He cares about you. He loves you. He has compassion only for you, loving kindness only for you, good things only for you, blessing only for you. He cares about you. And when you cry to him, if you were a person, if, if let's say, Natalie, you cared about Laura this way. I know you don't, but let's say you did. And she was crying behind you. What would you do? Of course, you'd hear her, you'd know what she was crying about, and you would care for her and hug her. And that is the promise of God to each one of us. He cares, he knows, he sees all, and he collects. Even David says, I can't even picture this, he collects our tears in a bottle. That's how much he cares about the things that hurt you and the things that come against you. So David is in this pit, he's crying out to God, and he's crying, and when he cries out to God, what does David show you and me? Trust. He shows you that he's put his trust in this God. So he believes that this God exists, and he believes that this God will help him. Okay, and then what does he do? So he's in a pit, and he cries out to the Lord, and then what does he do? He waits. He waits. I waited patiently for the Lord. The word patiently actually, li more literally, means intently. I waited intently. The sort of pit he's in was hard to be patient in, uh, at least as we understand patient. So he's waiting intently. What does the word wait mean in Scripture? Yeah, it means to, to hope, to expect something to happen. So this is not the waiting of you for a number 29 bus that may or may not ever come. This is you, this is David waiting, knowing that God will show up. That's why he can say, I'm waiting patiently or intently for God, because I know he's coming. I don't know when, but I know that he's coming. And actually, when you think about it, that waiting or knowing that God's coming is like 90% of the Christian life, 
isn't it? It's 90% of the Christian life. Waiting, hoping, trusting, expecting God to do something, but him not doing it right now. It's this waiting, this uh, thing. And how uh, should we wait? (laughs) Patiently. Go back to Psalm 37. Yeah, that's a good answer. Yeah, confidently. Who said confidently? Um, Verse 9 to 11. Uh, Evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. Yet a little while and the wicked man will be no more. And you will look carefully for his place and he will not be there. But the humble will inherit the land and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. So what's the adjective describing the person who's waiting Humble, humble. So when you're waiting, what does it mean to be humble? Because we get a great picture in Dickens' Uriah Heap, but that's not humble, (laughs) is it? What does it mean to be humble? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What, What is true humility? Because, you know, so, you know, there's some people who think too much about themselves. There's some people who don't think anything of themselves. Um, but true humility is not thinking about yourself at all. It's, uh, it's the idea that I so trust God that he will do whatever is right that I'm just coming to him and sitting there and waiting. I'm just waiting, knowing he's God and I'm not. And he will do what is right. Now, that's a hard place to get to when you're in a pit. So this is something that you can't rely on will just come to you when you're in the pit. Because when you're in the pit and you can't breathe and the water's rushing all around you and you're slipping down further because you can't take one step, you're not going to be thinking about your humility. So this needs to be something that we've done in advance that we've asked God, show me what that means. Show me how to think less about myself and more about you. Um, And another thing about uh, the the waiting, hope. You know that God will do what you are asking him to do. Um, So the person who waits for God um, is not apathetic. Psalm 37... uh, 39 verse 7 39 verse 7 and now Lord for what do I wait my hope is in you Psalm 130 verse 5 Um, uh, I won't read Psalm 42 verses 1 and 2 Um, as the deer pants for the water brooks so my soul pants for you O God my soul thirsts for God for the living God when shall I come and appear before God the uh, person who's waiting for God is waiting with yearning because you're waiting for him to show up and he's fantastic and you know he's fantastic so you're just longing to see him Longing, as I say, like you would be longing for air to breathe in this pit with the water swirling all around you. And when God comes, well, when will he come? At the right time. Why will God only come at the right time? 
<laughs> because it's the right time, yeah. So it's his time. So he will come at the right time, which is the best time. And when he comes, what will he do? Before that, what will he do? He brought me out of the pit. He will lift you out of the pit that you're in. And when he comes, that sense of desperation will be changed to what? Joy. Yes. So you're going to move from desperation and loneliness to joy and security because you're going to be with God and he's come for you and he's lifted you out and you're going to know that you know that you know that you know that you are never alone that he is there that he's there so um, he'll lift you out of the pit he'll come just at the right time you will feel sense his nearness I don't think it's that God wasn't near to David I think it was that David was overcome by the swirling waves and uh, uh, and the sound um, now I think that this might have been the healing from a disease for David if you read Psalm um, 30 verse 2 um, Oh, Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you healed me. So this may be a physical healing um, or it might have been deliverance from his enemies. Psalm 69, save me, O God, those who hate me without a cause are more than the hairs on my head. Those who would destroy me are powerful. Or it might be deliverance from the Guilt of sin, like Psalm 51, be gracious to me, O God. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. There are all sorts of deliverances and all sorts of pits, but it's the same God who brings you out. God can deliver you from every sort of pit. I, I, I wish, I don't wish actually, because I don't want to know all your stuff, but... Um, there's nothing in your life that God cannot deliver you from. Absolutely nothing. <coughs> nothing at all. And the fact is that you have said you believe that God is good. That he is just. That he is gracious and merciful and full of loving kindness and compassion. That means wherever you are today is the place that God will speak to you in. Now, I'm not saying that you're in a place that God has definitely put you. Maybe your own sin took you to that place. Maybe something else has taken, to you, that, that taken you to that place. But what I am saying is, wherever you are is not too far from God that he won't deliver you. But in order to be delivered by God, what must you do? Cry out to him. Cry out to him. For the last couple of months, I've been in a not deep depression, but a sadness for a loss in the house because it was coming up to an anniversary. And it's never usually this bad. I just didn't know where I went. I mean, I do cry. 
this really, really sadness. And, and it was stopping me from doing things because you know, when I was going to go out and try and do something, I just got upset. Uh, but I just get, I knew that God could, could bring me out of this. You know, I'd wake up in the morning, I was tired, I was looking at him, I was wanting to do what he wanted. So I just spent more time with him, which I haven't been doing. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Praise God. Praise God. Um, so, actually, that follows nicely, Maureen, because he, um, he delivers you. And then what's the result in you? According to the psalm, yeah, according to the psalm, he puts a new song in your mouth. He puts a new song, a song of praise to my God. He puts a song of praise. Now, <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I'll tell yeah, we'll. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah, no worries. So um, think about it. People who never sing, at least in their heart, even if they don't sing out loud, they don't cherish anything really deeply. They've, they've, they haven't um, realized that deliverance of God. You know, um, when I was first a believer, um, I didn't really have a full understanding of my sin. You know, many people, they say, oh, they realized their sin and it was terrible and they were this and that and they, they just couldn't get off the floor for months. Well, um, I didn't have that at all. I knew the, the uh, truth that I was a sinner, but I didn't have an understanding of the depth of my sin. And um, consequently, I didn't have much of a song. You know, I mean, I thought I did. I thought I had a lot to talk about the Lord, but I really didn't because I hadn't yet understood how much I needed him and how much Jesus had done for me. So I could listen to the Easter uh, thing in church about, you know, the, the death, the crucifixion and then the resurrection. And I knew it in my head, I knew that it was all true, but it didn't really cause any great emotion in me. Um, that's what I think happens when you are, uh, y y I'm not saying you're not a believer like that. I was a believer, but uh, I hadn't really gone anywhere with the Lord. I hadn't. And I wasn't really bothered because I didn't even know there was anywhere to go, really. And so um, people like that, people like me, we haven't got a song to sing. And you know people like that. You know them in your churches, you know other, you know, friends who are believers and you know that they don't have a song. They don't have a song to sing. 
partly because they haven't come into the fullness of, of who God is and they haven't started to look through his word and ask his spirit to, to make manifest you know, the truth about God, but also partly because their life is easy, generally easy. Mine was easy. My life has been easy for a long, long time. And uh, consequently, you don't have many songs. That's the reality. And so it wasn't really until I started to gain an understanding of what of my sin and the depth of it and the shame of it and the cost of it that I started to have at least the first few lines of a song about the Lord Jesus. And so I suppose I've got here, you know, people who never sing. They don't know anything deep. <laughs> they don't know anything. They don't even know themselves. And, and, and they have no intense gratitude for anything because everything's been handed on a plate. And, you know, I've had a few things in my life, had had a few things up to then, but, I mean, nothing when you look around the world and see what people have to suffer, nothing comparative to that. And I had no true understanding of the pit that David talks about. And consequently, my song was pretty tame. So, one of the things I think that God wants us to see when we read about David and we read about new songs and we read about the glory in heaven and we read about all of that is that there will be a cry in us. Lord God, I don't have that song, but I want that song. And I know in my head that that might be hard, but I want it anyway. Do you know what I mean? Because I don't want to live on this surface level with no song, no real depth of understanding. And I, I do say to the Lord, Lord, I, I want to be able to sing loud about you. And I know what I'm asking. But I also trust that I'm asking the God who is gracious and compassionate and loving and who will be with me every step of the way. Uh, I, don't I, I don't really know why I'm sharing that except to say if you're like me and you don't have any depth, any song, ask God for a song. Ask him. Because that simple act is such an act of trust that God is a loving father, that he really will deliver you from the pit of destruction, that he really will be compassionate to you and fill you with grace and love and joy. Joy in the singing. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. Mm. Mm. Um, so uh, God gave him a song 
And uh, I was thinking when I was putting this together, when you think about the pit that he was in and the fact that he was, uh, the, the depth of his song, the depth of his song corresponds to the depth of his pit. The, the beauty of his song corresponds to the depth of that destructive pit that he was in. Um, yeah. And we should be writing new songs, all of us. We should be writing new songs or having God give us a new song. Songs of praise, songs of joy, songs of thanksgiving, songs of victory, songs of victory. And what's the purpose of the song? We're coming to your question, Barbara. What's the purpose of God's song that he gives you? But Psalm 40. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. Many will see and fear. Well, what do you think they might fear? First of all, what will they see? Let's take this in steps. So what will they see when you sing a new song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll see a person who banks their everything on God and who never lost hope. They'll see a person who was in a place of such distress, yet cried out to God expecting an answer. And ultimately, they'll see a person who received an answer who received an answer. Now, just break that down. Break that down because what does that mean actually? In real terms, what does that mean? See, we're all sitting in this room and we're all opening our Bibles and, you know, and it's good. It's good. I'm glad you came actually. Otherwise, I'd have been here on my own. So I'm very glad you pitched up. But the thing is, we are aiming for what we want is real, authentic, authentic Christianity. We cannot be a people who don't suffer from anything because that's just not real. We can't be a people who are just always, oh, hello, how are you? And I'm fine, thank you, bon, 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 money, another piece of cake, cup of tea, on we go. <laughs> because we can't be like, that's not real. And that's not attractive, actually. Nobody wants that sort of Christ. Why would they want that? Because it's not real. So... I need to be a person who is totally and utterly real. And you need to be a person who is totally and utterly real. And I need to see and hear about your pit of destruction. And you need to see and hear about mine. Because in that way, we start to sing together. And when we sing together, what we're showing the world is the reality of a God who saw where we were for our own reasons. Most of the pits of my life have been totally and utterly my own doing. Most of them have been my doing. And I've been in those pits and cried out to God. And even as I was calling out to him saying, God, there's no reason you should come and help me because this is entirely my fault. But you say you will. 
So it's, it's that, it's that reality that we have to have one with another. I mean, some of you have come in, you don't know anybody in the room, so you don't know if they're being real or not. They could just be, be pretending to be real. But that's why fellowship is so important, the getting together week in and week out and sharing life and sharing the truth with one another. It's so important. Oh, right, yeah. It was. It was. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but there's, there's another thing about realness and authenticity. It, it rings true. There's a, a, there's a, you know, we used to be the Colgate Ring of Truth. Some of you are not old enough for that. But the, oh, the Colgate Ring of, what was it? It wasn't truth, was it? It was the Colgate Confidence. Thank you. But so there's something about the truth that has sound. It has sound to it. Yes. And when they see it in you, they hear that sound. And it doesn't matter what it is. Go ahead, Catherine. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yes. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Fellowship first. Really. Go ahead. Definitely. Mm. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, and it takes real strength to be real. Yeah. Yeah. Real strength to be real. Yeah, it takes strength, and and that strength can't come from you. Do you see what I mean? Because we none of us would tell people exactly what we're like. Who would? I'd never tell you the stuff of my life. You, I mean, hopefully you wouldn't believe it, but I definitely wouldn't tell you because I don't want you to know. But God will use that and give me the strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do everything through Christ who gives me the strength. And what he says here in Psalm 40 is that God put a song in my mouth and others will see it and will fear, so they'll see something genuine and authentic and real, and then they will start to have this growing conviction, the fear, I might be in the wrong place. Oh my goodness, their God might be real. This Jesus might really do what he says he's going to do. Because you see, the song that we sing is not gonna remain in fellowship, sweet as that might be, but it's gonna be taken out. We're gonna sing our song out. And that is what people will start to see. Well, she was in that sort of a place, but God brought her out. He was addicted to that, but God broke that addiction. 
And that starts to make people two things. It starts to make people want to know your God, but be afraid that they don't. Yes, yes, yes. Of course. Mm. So, think about this. Um, he, set, uh, he brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. So the result of your song is that people will trust in the Lord. Now, I just want to take that a step a little bit further because what this means is your pit... Your trouble, your destructive pit that has threatened to suck the very life out of you that you thought you would never get out of has first of all caused you to cry out to God and he has listened and delivered you. It has second put your feet on a firm place so that you are now immovable and lifted high because you are now on a rock and in a firm place and given you a song to sing that has not only filled you with joy, but is your evangelism. It is your evangelism. So that's what you need to, we also need to understand. My pit is for the purpose of my evangelism witness. My pit is for not only my strengthening, great as that is, not only for the, me to come to an understanding of who God is, which is absolutely amazing, but it is so that I have something real to say about God. I have something that is not just my imagination, but something real and tangible. This is who I was, but I'm not that person anymore. I'm this person. This is where I was, but I'm not there anymore. Hmm. Mm. Oh yeah, definitely. So mm. There's all sorts of pits, yeah. Definitely, yeah, yeah. 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 No. No. Definitely. It's your spiritual response, emotional, spiritual, whatever, because they get intertwined such a lot. But it's your spiritual response that changes because of the reality of God right there with you. And there's the witness. And there's the witness. Because he set your feet upon a rock. That's the thing. Because the rock that you stand on is Christ and that never moves. Christ never moves. And, and once you start to stand there and understand the, the truth of God, 
then and 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 add to that all the time. You know, it's not. Jesus says, doesn't he, in John 8, that um, if you're truly my disciples, you will continue in my word, and and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. But that's a continuous making. It's not just a one-time deal. So you will continuously be made free by the truth that you start to understand. Now we haven't even we've not even scratched the surface. But what we are seeing here is that God answers our cries, that he draws us out of a pit, that he stands us on a rock, that he gives us a song, and that other people hear that song and are led to trust the Lord. That's the thing. Of course, yeah. Yeah. No, no. Mm. Yes. Mm. Yes, of course, exactly. So it's your song. He put a new song in my mouth. It's your song, your experience, your understanding of God, this growing understanding of how much he loves me. I mean, I just want to cry when I even say the words. The understanding of how much he loves me. And that understanding starts to play its way out in all of everything I do and everything I say and, and how I behave and how I respond and how I spend my time and, and what I trust. What do I trust? In the face of stuff that is, looks impossible, what do I trust? And the reality of his promise to me that I, my feet are on a rock. Um, Psalm 40, uh, go to verse 16, because uh, many will hear, uh, see, and fear, and turn to the Lord. And then uh, verse 16, um, how will we win others to Christ? We're going to be singing our song. We keep singing. We sing when we're in the pits. We cry to the Lord. Uh, uh, we wait for him and then he comes and he, he lifts our feet up and we keep singing. And so we're asking God all the time, give me a new song. Give me the words to a new song. Give me another verse for the song that I'm already singing. Give me the follow-on verse. Do you know what I mean? Give me the chorus that everyone can sing. Give me something else from this experience. Or take me on, Lord, and lead me into another experience. Not necessarily the same pit, but another experience that will end up me singing a new song. And because look at what he says in verse 16 of, of chapter 40. Let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. Now, you can magnify in two different ways. You can magnify with a microscope or with a telescope. Um, if you think about it, if you magnify with a telescope, what you're doing is to try to stop something look small that is really humongous. You use a telescope to look at things that are far away, that look tiny, but in reality are huge. That's the sort of magnifying that we are supposed to do. Because the world sees God as something way out there and pretty small. Not really much to do with my life. And so our whole magnifying of God is to be the telescope through which unbelievers see what looks like the tiny God and he becomes the God that he is. Do you see what I mean? So think about that in terms of the far-off planets and, um, 
and all of that because the problem is that the, in the sky, the sky, we see it, but it's not really what it is. We see those tiny dots of stars. If we could get up close, we couldn't even, well, we couldn't get close because they're so huge and so hot. And so what we're trying to do is to be the telescope so that when people look at God through us, they see him as the huge and awesome and magnificent God that he is. That's what a telescope is for. To make something that looks small look the way it really is. Now think about your life in, that, in those terms. God's like a tiny star to a lot of people. He's like a far-off, distant thing that no one knows. But when they hear your song, when they see him through your life, he becomes as bright as the sun, as he is. You're not making him something he's not. You're just showing the truth of who he is. So, how will you magnify him? How will you best magnify him? Yeah, you'll sing a new song. Definitely, you'll sing a new song. By putting him first. Seek him out when you're in a pit. Yeah. Sharing what he gives you. Yeah. Sharing what he's done for you. Okay, now I think we've all got to recognise here. Yeah, we've all, we've all got to remember here that we all, we, our wonderful spiritualness and the, one, the Holy Spirit who dwells within us dwells in a human body and that flesh is always pulling me the other way. It is always pulling me the other way. So it's always telling me. I think you've shared enough today, Anne. You know, I think you better keep that to yourself. Or um, I think this or that or the other thing. Or, or I, do you know what, God, I really just want my life to be calm and easy for a while because, I mean, I deserve it, really. Do you see what I mean? That's the truth. That's what our flesh is doing all the time. That's what the world is telling us to, you know, be happy, be secure, amass all your wealth, be, you know, so that you'll be fine. So what must I do then? To be real, to be real. I'm not talking about what we say when I ask a question, everybody says, do this, do that. What To be real, what have I got to say to God? <laughs> yeah. I want a new song no matter what it takes. And I want you to give me a new song despite all of my flesh, which will pull me away. And I want you always yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, God, I just ignore Mike. <laughs> but seriously, seriously, go ahead. Yeah. I had to say that. Yeah. It felt like a mantra, but I didn't mean it. Yeah. 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 I know. 
Yeah. Definitely. 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 Yeah. 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 Oh. Yeah. Nothing. Your flesh is against you. And the sooner we understand that, the better. It's against you. Your old man, the old nature, wants you to fail, wants you to be corrupt. It's not just the enemy out there, it's you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It is. It is. I told you when I was drinking, I used to want to have a drink and then rush to the fridge, open the fridge, pour the glass, drink the glass. Before I had time to think, I don't want that. I don't want to do that. And that's my flesh. That's my nature. That's my instinct. If I do that quick, I won't have time to think about it. And then, oh, well, it's already done, so I'll do it tomorrow. You know, that's it. That's it. So you have to fight it every moment. And it's not easy. Hey? <laughs> Yes, definitely. I used to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I used to go to bed at two o'clock in the morning because I'll just have another drink and then another cigarette and then I'll have another cup of coffee and then I'll have another drink and then I'll have a cigarette and then, yeah, there you go. Yes, yes. So, so the reality, that's the thing. What, what we need to be trying to get to or what we want to be trying to get to is that place where we can say, God, I know that you have saved me and that you are continually saving me. I know that you will never stop rescuing me from whatever pit I'm in. I know that you will always provide a new song for me. I know that you will always give me victory. Therefore, I want you to do whatever it takes in my life to help me to sing a new song. Because really, if I asked you, why are you on the planet, what would you say? Why are you on the planet? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true, Gary. But before that, actually, because you will be a service to others, but even before that, underneath that, why are you still on the planet? To glorify God in, and how will you do that? Hey? <laughs> it's all about that. That's always the answer, Gary, <laughs> glorifying God. But, but why did Jesus, what, did he, what was the last thing he said to his disciples? Go, therefore, into all the world and make disciples. So really, your purpose on the planet is to make disciples. Right. Now, we've just read Psalm 40, and you've just nodded and understood that in order to have a new song, you need to be in some sort of pit. Not necessarily as deep as the one David was in, but you need to be ha understand the deliverance of God from that thing. So, in, tr in reality, if that is the thing that's going to draw people to Jesus, then wouldn't we be saying, Lord, show me more about myself that I can be rid of it so that I can understand more about you. Take me to places I'm previously afraid to go to because I'm afraid to be in a pit because actually, really, I don't trust that you'll get me out of it. All of those things, whatever it is, whatever way it comes to you, start to talk to God about it, even when you're afraid to. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I say again, rejoice. Yes, yes. Absolutely. 
Yes, and Paul said, I have learned to be content. This wasn't something that happened to Paul. He wasn't some superhuman person who never had to fight his own nature. He had to fight tooth and nail against his own flesh. And he says in, in Philippians, I have learned to be content in all circumstances because he had to train himself to be content. So... Um, We've got about 10 minutes and then I'll finish. So your song then, your song, the reality of your song, your truthful song becomes your evangelism. So your joy, your passion, your song of praise in your hearts is actually your evangelism. That's what it is. It's your witness to who God is. Now there's a Psalm 103 which um, is a song for you actually and... Um, we, we don't have time to walk all the way through it because it's, um, but because it's a, a, well, we'll just pick some things out of it. Psalm 103. And it's really for you to be thinking about when you go home or, or and some questions uh, to answer from it. Um, if it's okay, I'll read the psalm. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. Um, he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion, on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is no more, and its place acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children. Um, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you who serve him doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works of his, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. This is a song for you. And I really, I just want to leave you with some questions before lunch. And I really would like it, if possible, if you could think about them over lunch. We won't really discuss them afterwards much, but just think about them. Keep them in your mind. Write them down. Ask, ask yourself these questions when you get home. Will you bless his name? This whole psalm is a song of David blessing God. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. This is you blessing God. <coughs> so the question is, what are the benefits that God has shown you this past week? Because you see what he says? Um, uh, where are we? Uh, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, verse 2, and forget 
none of his benefits. What benefit has God shown you this week? And have you blessed him for it? So the have you blessed him for it is, is a repeated all the way through. The next thing, what sin has he forgiven and cleansed you of this week? And have you blessed him for it? What disease has he healed? What physical, emotional, or spiritual disease has he healed this week? And have you blessed him for it? (coughs) What pit were you in that he has redeemed you from this week? Um, I'm not suggesting that all these questions will fit you this week. If they do, you've had a very busy week. (laughs) And the Lord's been blessed mightily through you. Where and when did he crown you with his loving kindness and compassion? Verse 4, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. So where and when did he crown you with his loving kindness and compassion? Who did he do that through? You see, we have a tendency to expect that God is just going to supernaturally fly down out of the heavens. He's going to look a bit like an angel and he's going to zap me with loving kindness. But actually his loving kindness is showed to me through his people. So who did God show his loving kindness to you through and his compassion? Who was compassionate with the compassion of God to you this week? Whose hands, whose voice did he use to show you his comfort and his love? And what has he satisfied you with? There's another song on that, Natalie Grant. Maybe I'll play that as well. It's called Enough. Enough. God is enough. He's enough. He's enough all the time. So what has he satisfied you with? And this is a serious question, the last one. Have you experienced his renewal, his energy this week? And has it caused you to feel like you are rising up on eagle's wings? Mm. Have you experienced his renewal, his energy this week? And it's a serious question. And has it caused you to feel like, at least, to feel like that you are rising up on eagles' wings? See, these are promises. These are promises. David could sit and write this psalm, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that was within me, bless his holy name, because he really experienced these things. Now, you are no less than David, and God loves you with the same love. And he wants you to experience his compassion and his loving kindness. He wants you to be healed from your sickness, whatever sickness that may be. He wants you to, to know that he has pulled you out of a pit and stood you on a firm ground, on a rock. And he wants you to have that song. But you have to look for that song sometimes. So look for it through Psalm 103. Just look for it. 
Okay, and when you find it, will you bless him? When has he been patient with you? Verse 8. <laughs> Have you thanked him publicly for the forgiveness of your sins? Publicly. You don't have to go into loads of details. But you have to be able to stand up and say, I am a sinner saved by grace. And now and forever, because of the forgiveness of Christ Jesus, I am called a saint. We have to be able to say that. My sins had almost reached the top. And I'm cleansed totally from them all. Hmm. And what has he been speaking to you about lately? I've told you so many things of mine over the course of the years. You must get fed up with hearing about all my sin. But um, he's always talking to me about something. Because, you know, life's like an onion, isn't it? You just keep peeling it off and it makes you cry all the time. <laughs> it's just another layer and another layer. And you think you've finally got there and you get about 10 minutes of sort of relaxation. And then there's another thing. And... Um, have you believed, you don't need to write these down, have you believed that he can bring you out and set your foot upon a rock? Really? Uh, that's a serious question. Have you believed that? And will you commit your day, your week, your year to him? And that means not just saying the words. It means doing things that you haven't previously done to make sure that your commitment in your mind is an actual commitment in your life. Will you be the telescope that magnifies his glory? Telescopes don't say a lot, <laughs> if you know what I mean. They get used a lot. So, Father, I know for me, and I'm guessing for a lot of people here, that um, there's a lot of people who are saying yes to these things. Yes, Lord, I want to be used. I want to be a telescope that brings the reality of who you are into our human understanding. Lord God, I want to be someone who has a new song, who knows that you have set my feet upon a rock. I want to be someone who lives their whole life for your glory, and I want it to be more than just words. And I want that, Lord God, because I know that as I live for your glory, the people around me who need help in all the ways that they need it will be helped. Lord God, that you will fill me with a love for them and a compassion and not just feelings, but you will fill me with the desire to actively show mercy, to actively be your hands and feet, to be the person who brings the truth about Jesus in word and in deed. Lord, that's how you work because you are a great God. That us wanting your glory results in our joy and the joy of those around us as they feel the benefit of who you are and what you're doing in our life. So Lord, w thank you, thank you that that's who you are. Thank you that you are dragging us sometimes into that greater understanding. Thank you that you continually deliver us from all of the pits of our lives. Help us to bless you, Lord God, with every ounce of our being. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.